0: This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually, it's so much more than that. It's all around us. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I hope your Halloween has been full of treats. Definitely not tricks. Did you get many people knocking on your door asking trick or treat? And I want to know, there's been a lot of debate on this over social media over the last few days. Pumpkin or turnip? Time now to look a little bit about what this podcast is all about. For To me, it is about telling stories. It's about telling people's stories, telling the stories of the city, of the surrounding area. And I really, really want you to hear the story that's coming up next. I went to uh, speak to Belinda Latimer not very long ago. I went to meet her in her studio in Spode. And I had such a fascinating conversation with her and boy has she been on a journey does she have a story to tell now what let you into a bit of a secret here um always when i do an interview whether it's for the radio in my day job or for this podcast. I always start by asking someone their name and their job title. Now, officially, that's just so I can check sound levels, make sure someone's talking at the level that, that records and make sure I've got the microphone in the right place. And also, just hopefully try to calm someone down a little bit because that's a question we can all answer really, isn't it? Name, yeah, pretty sure I'm aware of that. Job title, this is what I do. And also when I get home, it's easy for me to then go, oh, right, that's that interview, put it there. And if, you know, if I've mislabeled it, it happens I can tell who who the interview is. Now, for this one, it was really interesting because, obviously, I, I just asked Belinda to introduce herself. She, she gave me her name.
1: And this is what happened when I asked her for her job title. I've toyed with different titles, really. I'm an artist, first and foremost. Um, and I am a facilitator or an enabler of art in others.
0: So we're sitting in your studio in Spode.
1: Tell us a little bit about about how you got here, your journey here. It's been a a, a rocky road for me. Um, I used to be a secondary uh, teacher of art and other subjects as well and then um, 2014 I was quite poorly and ended up in hospital having had a heart attack um, which made me really rethink what i was doing on this planet um and it was that basic it wasn't why am i here in stoke it was why am i on this planet what am i here for somebody somewhere's making me stay a bit longer um so i decided then that things needed to change really drastically um i had mental health issues and still do today I think everybody has them to a degree, to be honest. Um, And so needed help with that. And when that didn't come through the usual counselling route, because there was such a huge um, waiting time for it, I took to my art and craft, which having been a teacher for 13 years, hadn't done anything myself for that long, which actually is just horrible to think about. Um, And then I'd bought loads of fabric off eBay, as you do, So I'd got lots of 1970s and 60s fabrics that were just ace and colourful and bonkers and just thought, what can I do with them? I don't want to make bags and cushions and be practical. I wanted to do something that was quite um, expressive and creative, so I started just chopping up bits of fabric and stitching into them and using the patterns as a guide as, as to how to stitch and embroider. And so from that, it took my mind completely off what I was worrying about, which was being ill again. And I was therefore able to tick my creative box and to also... Um, feel a bit more positive about life in the future, so I then thought, okay, I'm doing this for me now, what else can I do? And so I started doing some paintings and some drawings, and really was guided by my daughter who wanted to do some stuff with me at home. Come on, mommy let's do some stuff. So we did. I didn't go back to work, um, unfortunately, I had to give up teaching, um, which I do miss, and I miss the young people quite a lot, so yeah. I. I I started doing some more things at home and was building up my own artistic confidence because when you've done a degree and then when you work and then when you go and do uh, teaching, even in art, you lose who you are as an artist. And I think your brand and what you do, am I a painter? Am I a textile artist? Am I a, a ceramicist? Am I this? And I just didn't know what I was because when you're a teacher, you do everything. So it was... That would seem to be quite a nice thing to have, but actually it's not because when you're a bit of a flibbity gibbet like I am, I'm like, don't know what to do. What am I going to do today? Ah, It was, you end up doing nothing and just sitting and eating biscuits. So I um, then thought, right, okay, I need to get teaching again. I want to work with people. and I need to be working with people and helping people, but wanting to use creativity more from a, a, a wellbeing point of view, not come along and learn how to do this and compare yourself to the other people make yourself feel rubbish because you don't feel very confident it was very much about come along have a go everybody can do it if they try it's just about believing in yourself and talk about how your life is and if you want to have a moan and a whinge do it there and let's work through it and help each other so it's almost like a community meet um so started off at the Brampton and Newcastle, hiring a space there and doing a few little workshops there, which were really lovely. And then I um, had an idea to go to Middleport because it was a bigger space and it got a bigger footfall and would have more sort of visibility for me as a business person because artists are business people too, which a lot of people, particularly artists, don't get and uh, devalue what they do um because they don't think that people will pay them for doing what they do and actually they will um so yeah I went to went to Middleport did a few sessions there and then got to the point where I was fed up of logging all of my stuff around my husband had got a studio in uh, St James's house in Longton the old hot house he wanted to move because it was too small and businessy and he wanted to be in a more creative environment so the universe which I believe in quite greatly um I spoke to a friend and she said, oh, I know somebody who's at Spode. And I went, Spode? And she said, yes, they're doing workshops there and studio spaces. So we, I rang straight away. So we came down and this was the first room that we came into. And we went, oh, this is just perfect. Now, if you've not been in my studio, the windows are huge. It's beautiful. Um, the floor is the original floor with all of the patterns of where you're supposed to walk and where the forklifts should have been with all the guidance um, markings. And... Um, But the view outside is buildings and lots of different roofs and clouds and sky and a bit of a tree but it's just the most epic and inspiring place to be um would hills and mountains be nice yes but this has got such a character to it and i wrote um a description the other day for a retreat that i'm doing and i wanted to describe how i feel when i'm in here um and it makes me feel quite emotional so apologies if i get a bit upset um I mentioned something about the um, the echoes of time oozing through the bricks and it feels like that. I'm not saying that it's haunted but you can feel a sense of creativity and people and stoke and um, yeah, it's just the most amazing place to be whether there's people in here or whether you're on your own or um it's a cold day or a sunny day I put my music on I come in I do my washing up with generally moldy cups because um, <laughs> I'm a bit lazy when I do stuff like that um and just take a moment to just breathe it all in and go right okay today what am I going to do I do have general plans but some days i just come in and go, right, what do I fancy doing today? So the other day I fired up my sewing machine, which I'd not done for ages, and done some hand, um, sorry, some free machine embroidery. So I was drawing with red on top of prints and paintings that I'd done that were sort of on a pile redundant. You mentioned a little bit
0: about finding
1: yourself and who you are as an artist. Have you figured that out yet? No, and I don't think you ever do. I think you've just got to listen to your inner being, soul, spark whatever you believe you've got um, and just go right today it's an admin day I've got to do that or today I need to do some marketing and push my courses, retreats, classes or today it's a day where I'm just going to play and those days are the best days because if you visualise too much what you want to make you can close off from a really organic inspiration that you have and I know I sound like I'm talking a load of nonsense but example I had quite a few pieces of board I like working on boards like Arthur Berry used to because you can layer and scratch and remove and add and take a photo or take a print from I I love taking mono prints off my paintings and then adding a bit more to the painting and just adding layers and layers and sometimes you don't know when to stop and sometimes you do and it's it's that thing where you just let out what needs to be out onto the board canvas whatever you're using and play um and I'm very impatient so sometimes when I need for a layer to, pe- to, to, to dry I can't wait um, and if I've got nothing else to do I kind of sometimes go in and ruin it and then go oh why have you just done that so it's it's about just going with the flow and, and feeling your way through and if a colour is pulling you forward then go for that colour or if you don't want to use colour and you're just going to use different tones of white that's fine too it, it's just about listening shutting everything off and listening turn your phone off turn your tally off turn the radio off if you want to and just decide right what am I being drawn to and I'm very lucky I and I understand a lot of people don't have a space like this and don't have a perception that they've got time to do stuff which is why I do my classes um but everybody can do art The people that say, I can't draw to save my life, it's just nonsense. And I know why people say it, because they've had a really, really poor experience when they were younger, at school, or at college, or at home. They've been embarrassed, they've been made made to feel small. Everybody can express themselves through some kind of artistic activity. And even if it's just, I say in inverted commas, something like baking, or um, crocheting, or knitting that's craft, that's creative, don't ever do yourself down of what you can do, because you just need to be creative, we we just need to be creative, we are creative beings, from the minute we, we are born, well not quite then, but two years, three years later down the line, you pick stuff up and you draw, and you dance, and you sing, you express yourselves, and that's the best way to communicate when you're young, and that gets lost, especially in schools now. And it's just really, really sad um, that kids aren't getting the full-on experience. Kids aren't being ta- taught art in schools, primary schools, anymore. It's just part of, today we're going to draw this as part of this project, where actually it should be, today we're going to learn how to use charcoal. Today we're going to learn about this artist and, and see about how we can make their work, but in a different way. So perhaps my example would be Picasso's Sunflowers that every child in school generally copies. Well, why don't make a 3D version of it using recycle materials do you know what I mean so it's about it's about changing it up and but teachers don't have the time in their head the, the space in their head or the time physically to be able to do stuff like that so this is another thing that I'm looking to do to go back into schools and offer my services to go in and work with kids and staff too because staff need a break too.
0: Art and children and education is something you're clearly really passionate about
1: how would you change things? Um it's a tricky one. I always look to the Netherlands and to Finland because they actually cherish play. Um, and having worked on play services for Stoke-on-Trent City Council 20 years ago, that's flown, um, play was used there as a, as a way to link communities and to, um, to communicate. And I think if we can let kids play, play with paint, play with music, to dance, and to find who they are, that's really important to find themselves as an individual at quite a young age know what they like know what they enjoy and know what they're good at I think the danger is now we are raising kids to be robots and schools are just factories where we train kids to pass exams and I know that sounds very cliched but it's true I think it's very true um so we need to get back to what's important, and it's the individual. It's what their needs are, and it's what they enjoy and love. And it's not to say, do art all the time and don't do any maths, but work it in so actually you can do art and maths at the same time. It's doable. It, it it can be done. But again, it's the time and it's the planning. But if we have a complete overhaul of of the way education's done in this country, then I think we'll we'll be raising quite a lot of more confident, well-rounded individuals. And at the moment, we've got children who have mental health problems, who have anxiety, who have stress because of pressures from home, pressures from school, and I think we just need to allow kids to breathe and to be and to play. And that's it, really, and it sounds quite simple, but it is. I think we've overcomplicated things way too much.
0: How would you describe your style as an artist? Big question.
1: Mm, Well, I'm drawn to colours, specific colours, pinks and turquoises being one of them. I'm now pointing at the pink microphone. Um, But... I, it's difficult because I'm looking at my wall now where I've got my gallery and I've got textiles pieces that are completely different to my very abstract paintings that are different to my very impressionistic blossom painting. And then I've got an old exam desk where I've painted flowers from 1970s fabric patterns. Um, It's eclectic, I think is the phrase. And it's, that's not done for any particular reason. That's just the way my brain works. So... Take from that what you will, really. Um, I just do what I fancy. And if other people like it and want to buy it, brilliant. If they don't, then I won't alter what I'm doing to suit my buyers. Um, but I, I I, would like to think that people are drawn to it for the colour, for the movement. I think all of them have got colour in common and movement to a degree. Um, and people are drawn to things because they just are. And... Somebody mentioned to me the other day, someone I've not seen for a long, long time, I really like that piece of work. It's, it's calling to me, which is fantastic. And you don't know that when you put the pictures out there. Because I've not got a gallery that's open all the time, it's very difficult to get a, get a fix for what people like. Um, but when people come in, like yesterday, I had some homeschoolers in and their parents and some of the kids are saying, I really like that one, that reminds me of, perfect. That's what it should be. Yes, it's nice to know what the artist was talking about when, when they wanted to put the mood or the voice across through the media but it's also how you connect as well. So it's not a one-way process. It's always a two-way. You've got to have the viewer there putting their stamp on what it is. And that's what basically sells your work. So that's really important to make sure that you can communicate with the viewer. You've mentioned it a little bit
0: about um, mental health and art. How important are the two and how do they
1: connect? Mm. For me... Um, it's very much if I can sit and do and not think that for me is me being relaxed, calm and not worrying and not stressed I think anxiety is the, one of the most hideous things and unless you've had it yourself it's quite hard to describe it, it's it's an inner fear um, where a voice is just talking to you saying something's going to happen or something will happen or something will be and your other voice is going either okay or no now stop that and it's that sort of inner discourse of of a conversation between voices in your head um and so for me if I can paint make tidy be in the studio this is my safe place where I can just be calm and relax um even when I've got people in at a workshop or a class because I know that other people are feeding off my enthusiasm and my joy for creativity so that really really helps um the reason that I started the teaching side of things, I hate saying that word, but the enabling the the, so the workshops and classes and the retreats especially is because people don't have a safe space where they can just release all of the crap. And if you've got that, either through going for a run or going to a tap class or going to the gym or some people don't like those things. So if you can come and sit and go, oh, do you know, today I've had a really rubbish day. And with relative strangers, talk about your day whilst getting some inks out and drawing some leaves or I found a lot of, a lot of the ladies, and it's generally ladies that come to me, um, were bringing their own things to complete. So it was almost like your old um, quilting groups or where ladies from the community would come together in one person's house and they'd bring food and they'd chat and they'd talk and they'd discuss whilst mending the clothes, whilst creating something for a wedding or going that far back in sort of history. So that's gone. And families live far apart or they've, they've passed on. Communities don't do anything like that anymore because everybody's busy. So to have that space to come to, to communicate, to share, to nurture each other as women we need that support and we need a network of people who can sort of be there who aren't necessarily related to us who get on us on our nerves because that generally is what happens with families um it's it's really useful so what i have done in the past is got them to not write on a sheet but to give me a number where how are you feeling out of 10 at the moment oh i feel like a four i've had a really rubbish day okay and then at the end how are you feeling now it's generally two plus that, that, that they've increased their mood which is brilliant, because they leave here feeling refreshed, calm, clear, much better. They may not have completed that much, but they've been here and they've been able to offload lots of stuff and either work through it, have different opinions, have a giggle. We had a discussion about Chippendales a few weeks ago, which was just very raucous and uh, brilliant. And I didn't think I'd laugh that much for a long time. I need to let myself. um. But it was, it was, do you know what I mean? It, anything goes. We can talk about absolutely everything and anything, and it... So it's not just about art. It's about art being the first step into a bigger world of communication and nurturing, I think. That's, that's the thing for me. And the work that they do is stunning.
0: So there you go. We are all creative beings. We can all do art. We can all create. What a, a motto for life, don't you think? I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Do let me know what you think. Best way of getting in touch, as always, is social media on Facebook. It is cultural quarter of an hour podcast. And on Twitter, it is at CQH pod. Don't tell anyone, but I hope to have something exciting to tell you in the next week or so. Until then, keep downloading the podcast every Wednesday. Speak to you soon.